this is Rob Coburn, and we are excited that you're joining with us today. If you're a part of the Summit Dover family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at the Summit Dover on all social media outlets and on our website, thesummitdover.com. We can get you plugged into our app or our YouTube channel, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with the Summit Dover family all around the world. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. This week we got to just witness what we all are called to do, and that is to make disciples. And uh, last Sunday we talked about uh, the presence of the Lord with us, and that the presence of the Lord is actually Him being here. It's not some ethereal thing. It's He's here in the room. We sing songs about it. We talk about it. But He's here and He touches us and He heals us. He delivers us. He sets us free. And sometimes He overpowers us and we just can't contain ourselves and we fall to the floor. And uh, in the final service of, of camp, and they were all dynamic, all dynamic, but in the final service of camp, uh, Pastor Aaron was preaching and was talking about purity and different things and um, lots of kids came forward to the front and as he was just speaking from the platform kids just started falling out in the spirit around the room and he's like we need catchers well it's easy to catch when the pastor's standing in front of someone right and you're like oh this one's going down but when they're all just going down all over you can't you can't just figure out which one you're going to catch so um, so there were a lot of us catching people but you know what oftentimes like last Sunday when over half the room was on the floor in the presence of the Lord, things change. Things change. Last week was a a changing of perspective for this house and and the stuff that's happening on the floor right now. It's the most important thing we can do. It's the most important thing we can do. But we did talk about Jesus coming and him being in the room and his presence is him personally being here. And uh, as I was Going through the week, the Lord gave me a bunch of scriptures for this morning, but um, I want to start with something that we all know, but I believe that I see it now in a different perspective of what Jesus was actually talking about. So Jesus, when he's in the room, he has one priority. He has one priority. You see, the Holy Spirit reveals to us Jesus. Are we all on this? Like, are we awake this morning? Believe me, if there's anybody that wouldn't be awake, it'd be all of us that served. But I'm just telling you that that Jesus is the perspective in which the Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus and Jesus points us to the Father. Can we agree on that? That's the role of the Trinity. That's what happens. But when Jesus is in the room, we can go into Scripture and find out what his priority is for for bringing to us in those moments. And so I want you to go to Matthew 6. You all know these verses. You can recite these verses. They're not going to be on the screen because you probably have them memorized. But I want to read them this morning because this is the priority of Jesus. This is what he wants you to receive when he's in your presence, when you're in his presence. This is what he's speaking to you. Okay? We're going to start in verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. So when Jesus is in the room, you shouldn't be worried about your life. Right? When you're in his presence, you have no need to worry. Okay? What you will eat. So those of you thinking about lunch or tomorrow, you shouldn't be worried about that. What you will drink. Not about your body. What you will put on, your clothes. Not not anything about that. 
Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God clothes, so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Those who are outside of the presence seek those things. There's a differentiation in Scripture. He's sifting the church. He's sifting the church in this hour. It's happening. We've been praying for revival. Well, revival is a sifting of the church. For after all these things the Gentiles speak, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So for for months we've been wearing these shirts periodically that say seek ye first and that comes from matthew six thirty three. that's the scripture we know that we know that we're supposed to seek first the kingdom but what jesus revealed when he was on the earth was everywhere that he went he preached the kingdom and then signs and wonders followed and i began to read this scripture a little differently but i want to break it down for you this morning and then go into something else that i believe the lord wants us to hear but i believe that this statement that's on the front of some of our shirts this morning is the biggest statement of priority that we as believers should have that jesus's focus was the kingdom he first came on the scene first sermon was the kingdom of heaven is at hand the kingdom of heaven is at hand the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of heaven and we preach all different things we preach faith we preach prosperity we preach all this stuff but jesus never did any of that and I began to ask myself, why did he not do that? And he said to the disciples when he sent them out, preach the kingdom. Now, they were with him for three and a half years. They saw all the things that he did. And when he sent them out to go and transform the world forever, he said, don't preach about the miracles. Don't preach about all those things that have happened under my ministry that you've witnessed. Don't go preach any of that. Go preach the kingdom. Why? Why would Jesus say that? So let's break down the statement. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. First of all, seek means you have to pursue something. If we're seeking the kingdom, that means that the kingdom is not pursuing us. Jesus, on the other hand, pursues you. But the kingdom doesn't. There are secrets in the kingdom that you have to pursue to actually lay hold of so that you can receive the benefits of the kingdom. First, seek ye first, it means it's your top priority. We can get so distracted in life to make everything else priorities in our life other than the kingdom of God. And it's very easy. We can worry about doing things at our jobs or we can worry about 
going and, and praying for people, all good stuff. But he says, seek ye first, your top priority needs to be the kingdom. So the kingdom is the object of our pursuit. So when Jesus began to speak to the, to the disciples and send them out, he says, go preach the kingdom. Don't preach any other message. Now, we all, as leaders, if you've preached or taught something, have taught something other than the kingdom. We all have. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to preach the kingdom of God. Righteousness, it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His righteousness. What does that mean? His righteousness has to do with the positioning of ourselves in the kingdom in which we have no lack. Yes? Why, did, why does he say, don't go preach all the miracles, don't go preach the prosperity, don't go preach all this stuff? Is all of it good? Yes, we build our doctrine off of all of it. But why does he say, go preach the kingdom? I'm going to touch on a subject that many people don't want to touch on, um, but I'm going to touch on it this morning. But he says in the scripture, don't worry about food or money or clothing or anything else. Just focus on the kingdom. In fact, he implores them and he says, stop doing that. Because they were. So he never preached prosperity. Now we have lots of people that preach prosperity. I'm totally cool with that. But he didn't do it. And I started to ask him this week while we were out at camp. I was just walking around saying, Lord, why is it that you said don't do all this stuff? You never did it. But we as church people do it. Why? Why? And he said, because in the kingdom prosperity is normal you don't have to teach it it's normal okay then if you're a good student of the lord you ask him why (laughs) when he tells you something why is it that prosperity is never taught by jesus because it's normal in the kingdom okay why why is it normal in the kingdom because the king his his radiance his power his establishment his esteem is directly related to how his constituents are reflecting him. So if you're a king and all of your people are slaves and poor, then that's what your kingdom is worth. But if you're a king and all of your people are prosperous, that reflects on the leadership of the king. And so many people because we don't have our our priorities correct, are going after things that are not of the kingdom, they're of trying to build something that Jesus never taught about. I knew it'd be quiet, but I didn't think it'd be this quiet. There's a word that is used in kingdoms, the United Kingdom, all all over. This word you will understand hopefully a little better after I talk for the next few minutes, but... The word is commonwealth. Have you ever heard that? The commonwealth of Massachusetts. The commonwealth, right? What does that word actually mean if you break it apart? That wealth is common. It's not common because we are seeking wealth. It's common because of the king who is over the government that we live under is wealthy and he expects all of his people to be wealthy. Now I know this is touchy. I get get it. But I'm going somewhere with it. 
So the word commonwealth is only found in kingdoms. You don't hear it in a republic like we are, although many people think we're a democracy. That's all crazy. We're a republic. You don't hear the word commonwealth. You don't hear the word commonwealth in a dictatorship or in a communist country. You don't hear commonwealth being spoken of because wealth isn't common. It's focused in one area or another. But in the kingdom of God, wealth is common because every kingdom focuses that way. So everyone is wealthy in the kingdom because it's a kingdom priority that you are because it reflects the king. Have you ever thought of the reputation of God if, if the world is looking at you, which they are, and me, what perspective they have of our Father? If, they, if someone from the world follows you around for this week, just this coming week, and they follow you around in everything you say, everything you do, every place you go, everything you look at, everything... They should be able to tell what kingdom you're from and who your father is. My question is, what would they surmise from following us around? Would they, would they listen to our words and think that our father doesn't have anything? Would they listen to our words and say, the peace, there's no peace in this whole thing. Would they look at our lives and say, there's no power, I, there's no, why would I want to be them? Why would I want to be them? We are called to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and we should reflect the attributes of the king. So I'm going to make a statement. Your prosperity... Your prosperity is a governmental policy. It's a policy of the kingdom that you're prosperous. Now, in our religious minds, we've all been taught, I'm sure, that have been in church for a long time, that it's, it's good that we're not. Because pride comes with all that. Well, if you let it, pride will come with everything. Pride comes with poverty. So I'm just trying to explain to you the heart of the Lord in this scripture because he comes to them, the disciples, and he says, don't worry about anything because the king of this government already knows what you need. He never, he, he never tells the disciples to pursue any of this stuff. Any of it. He never tells the disciples to pursue any of it. All he says is, seek ye first the kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. He knows what we need, and he'll add that to us if we seek him first. So, the things that he says in here, in verse 25 through 32, are to be added to us, and not the object of our pursuit. We've all fallen into the trap. At some point in our life, we've fallen into the trap to make our pursuit, verses 25 to 32. And I believe that the Lord is looking for a bride 
that is so pure and so holy and working so focused on making him number one that nothing else matters. And you say, Pastor, well, I've got to work. I've got to, I've got to make money. I've got to pay for my house. I've got to do all this stuff. The disciples didn't ask all that. He said, what are we supposed to do? And Jesus said, focus on the kingdom. Focus on the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. Have you ever thought that if we just put priorities in the right spot, everything would flow together? If we just did what the word says and and put him first, everything else lines up. And there wouldn't be the toil and the stress and the, the fracturing of relationships and all of that stuff if we just put him first. Put him first. Turn with me to Matthew 10. In verse 7. Actually, we're going to go to verse 5. These 12 disciples sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles. What did we just read in Matthew 6? The ones that don't have the perspective of the kingdom in this verse. And do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, not freely give. He doesn't say go preach about demons. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say go preach about the lepers. He doesn't say go preach about the sick. He says go preach the kingdom and these things will follow you. You will do all these things after you focus on the kingdom. And Jesus, all throughout scripture, just read Matthew 1 through 5, he begins with the kingdom and ends with miracles. And I think that as we look at our priorities in our life, we can flip that around. And we can seek the miracles and not the kingdom. And then what do we have? Empty walks. That's what we have. This implies that we will be tempted to preach many other things than the kingdom. We'll be tempted to give guidance. We'll be tempted to look at all that other than the kingdom. So Matthew 10, this is an interesting portion of Scripture He's talking to the disciples about the problems of the world in chapter 9. We go into chapter 10. And he's talking about all the things that are messed up in the atmosphere in which they were placed. Now, it's July 3rd. Tomorrow's July 4th. And I can tell you, we live in an amazing country. But it's messed up. It's completely messed up. Its priorities are backwards. Its priorities are backwards. When the first being on the planet to recognize the Lord was in the womb, its priorities are backwards. And I thank the Lord that they removed the law, but the law doesn't remove the heart of the people. It doesn't change the heart of a country. It changes how we're prosecuted and how we defend ourselves and all that stuff. That's what laws do. But I'm telling you, there's a heart change that needs to happen For what the law, I'm glad that they did it. Don't get me wrong. I celebrate it. We prayed about it for 50 years. I'm saying that the heart has to change, not just the law. And so our priorities are wrong. We don't value the right things as a country. And so we're stepping outside of what he's called us to do. 
So he's talking about the problems of the world and he says, I see the people of the world like a sheep without a shepherd. So, so let's get some people to go out and harvest and take care of these sheep because there's a desperate need in the world, this broken world, for these shepherds and for these harvesters to go out and bring in the harvest, the things that God is calling the people to, they need some direction. He said, pray for laborers to go into the harvest and go and do likewise. Are we in that place today? Are we like in Matthew 10, like we can see the world around us is broken? He's calling us to change our priorities so we begin to see the world as he sees the world. They just saw, think about this, they just saw him raise the dead, they just saw him pray for people and see miracles, all body miracles and things happen. Feed the 5,000, they saw all of that And he says, yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 don't preach that. Go preach the kingdom. Go preach the kingdom. Miracles are evidence of another kingdom being present in the room. But if our priority isn't another kingdom, we won't see the evidence of another kingdom. Matthew 13, 11. We're just sticking around Matthew this morning. It says this. He answered them. Let's start in 10. And the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? Now, I've given you sort of my definition that I heard Bill Johnson say once, and that is that he was, he was hiding people from the consequences of knowing something that they couldn't defend or that they didn't know. And And I believe that that's what it is. But listen to this. It says, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Verse 11. And he answered to them and said, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. The kingdom has secret laws that we must study and learn. There's keys. Now, whenever, whenever we were appointed here in September of 2019, for the first 20 some weeks that we were here, we just taught on the kingdom. We just taught on the kingdom. And the depth of understanding of Jesus when we taught on the kingdom was immense. It was, it was huge. Let's keep reading verse 12. For whoever has, to him will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he will, what he has will be taken away from him. This was his response to when they asked him about the, he was talking about the kingdom and seed. That's what he was teaching them, the kingdom about the sowing of the seed. And they asked him this question. His response is, to those who have, they will have an abundance. To those who don't have, they won't, they'll get what they have taken away from them. So I began to look this up in different concordances and things, and I want to read to you the meaning in the Hebrew of that verse. To those who want to know more, I will tell them more. And to those who have no interest, I will make sure they never find it. God will only tell you what you want to know. He will only reveal to you what you desire. Now, some of you may say, 
And, and he is omniscient. He knows all. Right? He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. But do you know that that statement is completely 100% true, but you could be right next to him and not know he's there? He's everywhere, but you could actually be standing, he could be right beside you and you not even know he's there. Why? Because he will only reveal to you what you desire to see. He will only reveal to you what you desire to see. If you don't have interest in him, good luck finding him. He will hide himself for you, not from you. He's not hiding from you. But if you don't want to see him, you're not going to see him because of your desire. What does his word say? I'm going to try and quote this one from the top of my head. And if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. That tells me that if we're not seeking him, we aren't going to find him. And so this is my concern, church. My concern is that we talk about the presence. We know that that means that he's a person and he's here, but he could be here and many of us miss him because we're not hungry for him. And so there's a difference in preparing a place for Jesus to come and reside and actually being in his presence and actively receiving and giving to him. And in the days to come, the Lord is looking for a bride who not only welcomes his presence in the room, welcomes him in the room, but also one who will engage with him. And if we're not focused and wanting more of him, we'll never engage with him. My concern is that we fall into the trap of being casual with the supernatural. That we only desire what we can handle. There's this interesting thing the Lord did for me many years ago, and um, I was looking for employees to work in our company, and I was praying about it, praying about it, praying about it, and the Lord gave me a statement, and he said, when someone says this statement, and you haven't even talked to them about what the job description is, when they say this statement, you know they're the right person. I'm like, that makes it easy. I'm going to go talk to everybody. And if they say the statement, I'll know it's right. And so I began to talk to lots of people about what God was doing in the companies and, and what God was, you know, what he was calling us to do and all these different things. And the phrase was all in. If, if the person that I was sitting with said, I believe in what God's doing and I'm all into that, I began to take it seriously. And I'm wondering if the Lord has the same kind of thought process with believers that he waits to hear you say, I'm all in. He patiently waits to reveal the kingdom to the people that say, I want nothing other than you. He's, he's desperately desiring to be with you, but he wants you to be with him and desire to be with him. So we can welcome his presence and he's here. I He's here. My question is, are you here for him? 
Are we here for him? Because we can get so distracted by amazing worship and a good word. But it is nothing without him. I was standing in the worship at the tab this week and just watching what God was doing. It was amazing. And I said to him, I said, I, I just wonder how many people in this room don't even know what's going on. And this was on night one. So everybody's excited and whatever. And I turned around and I walked outside and I was just praying in the spirit and I walk out and there's a kid in the tree outside the tab. Like, I'm not talking like a little tree. I'm talking like 20 foot up in the tree. And he's up in the tree. They're all laughing because they know that this is true. And this same, this same student was one that I got out of the tree last year. And I walked over and I said, hey, I said, you're not called to be in the tree. You're called to be over there. You're called to be hearing what God is doing and being a part of it. You're missing it. And his attitude was, I don't care, shut up, old man, kind of, you know. And then I just became forceful and said, get down before I come up and throw you out. Um, because that's what's going to happen if you don't just come down. And my heart began to break in that moment. This, this student, somebody either sacrificed or he had the money to come. He did everything that he needed to be. He was in the right place. He was at the tab. But he had no desire to be with Jesus. And I began to think, he's, he's, on the, he's on the fringe, he's out here, he's in the tree, and he doesn't want to be with Jesus, but how many people are in the building and don't want to be with Jesus? They're just doing the work, they're doing the, the rote thing that they know to do. We go to the tab at 7 o'clock and somebody preaches a good word, but I'm here to see girls, I'm here to see boys, that's what I'm at camp for. And they miss Jesus. But that's not too far off because there were people that traveled with Jesus all around throughout his ministry yet missed him. They missed him. So I believe in this hour as the Lord is putting hands on ministries all around the world and anointing ministries, I believe he's doing it to the ones that desire him to be there. Not just the ones that play good music, not the ones that have the light show, not the ones that have a bunch of other things going on. No, he's putting his hand on, on people. He's putting his hand on people that desire his presence and that want to engage with him. Not just bring him to the tab. We know the tab's anointed. If you've been at the camp, as soon as you drive on the camp, it's anointed. It's anointed. God is going to show up. He's there. Are we? Are we? I know this is strong this morning, but I believe the Lord, the pressure on the church is going to increase. I'm telling you, it's going to increase. And the only thing we have is the Word of God and the Holy Spirit and the Father's love to hang on to in all of the craziness that's coming. My question is, are we going to show up and be present in His presence? That means that we passionately pursue Him. 
Not passively. I didn't say passively. I said passionately. I, I see this as he's talking to the disciples and he's saying, you know, these, all these people, all these things are being taken care of by the Father. He'll do the same for you if you focus on the kingdom. If you seek the kingdom first, all these things will be added to you. I see that as great, but do you realize that when he was talking about, you know, this is what, this is what you receive, but for them who don't seek this, they're going to lose it. I began to analyze that this week, and you realize that he was talking to people who gave up their business, they gave up their farm, they gave up their family. And he says, to you who passionately pursue me, you'll receive everything. Are we there, church? Are we there? To you who have given everything, I will tell you the secrets of the kingdom. I will reveal my heart to you, and you will have need of nothing. You will have need of nothing. Since it's gone so well, let's go to Revelation. Revelation 3. Verse 14. I know it's a hard word. I'm telling you, it's the right one, though. With everything in me, this is the right one. Verse 14, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things say, says the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and not cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. And as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Do you remember the road to Emmaus? They didn't understand who they were talking to until they sat down to eat with him. He wants to come in and eat with you. But sometimes we're so busy that we're, we're in the right place. We enjoy the music. We're in, we're in the deal, but we're not with him. Sometimes we're in the right, we're in the right place, but we're in the wrong position. And we're in a tree. To him who overcomes, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
I'm asking you this morning, are we in the right place? His presence is here. Are we in the right position? Because I know that every person that met Jesus and valued Him for who He was, was forever changed. Everyone who met Jesus with an open heart and an open mind was forever transformed. They became witnesses. They were the prostitutes and they became the best witnesses. The ones with the secrets for everybody became the best witnesses. And I believe in this hour, the Lord is calling the church to pick a side. It's been so easy. It's been so easy to live in America and to be a Christian. As I talk with pastors and missionaries all around the world, they are literally on their face before the Lord every single morning wondering what's going to happen. If you watched our interview that we did with the pastor in Ukraine, he posted this week, I didn't see it till I got home, but he posted that in the city in which they were, bombs hit the same, same neighborhood that they were in. And he said, please pray for the hearts of our people, that they would turn to the Lord. And my prayer for this house And hopefully your prayer for your own life and for your family is that in the midst of the chaos and the bombs and the craziness of this world, that we would turn to Him and His kingdom alone. It's the only solution. You want revival? It looks a whole lot different to a whole lot different people. Sometimes revival is out the back door first. I I can't explain it, but that's what the Lord does. He prepares the way for him to come. And for those who desire to be with him, he prepares a place for them. He's here. He's here in this moment. To the end of the week, the student I don't believe ever went into the tab for any of the services. But I do know that at the end of the week, he was sitting in the doorway. All I can say is he made an effort. Don't know what his heart was. Don't know what his attitude was, as I don't know any of yours. But I know that he put himself in a position to at least hear what was going on. The Lord is looking for a pure bride that is not worried about what could be, what they will eat, what they will clothe themselves with, but a bride who is focused on the kingdom and Jesus' return. Because He is coming soon. He is coming soon. He is our Savior, our Healer, our Baptizer in the Holy Spirit, and soon coming King. I'm so glad that our founder put that word in there, soon. Not just a coming King but soon. May the expectation of our heart produce a desire 
to be with Him and engage with Him and to love on Him and to just be with Him. And last week, I believe we saw the beginning of it. We saw the beginning of it. Half of the people in the room on their faces before the Lord, and that's what He desires. Complete surrender, complete focus. So would you stand this morning? I don't know what the Lord has said to you today. But what I do know is that His desire is to be with you. And for you to be with Him. I'm just going to ask you this morning, if, if there's a part of your life that's lukewarm, the Word says, I would rather you be hot or cold. And this is what the enemy does. He takes someone who's on fire and he's not trying to get them to deny Christ. No, it's not what he's doing. He sends, a, he sends a person into your life to strip you of your belief and your anointing to make you cool down a little bit. Come on, I'm telling you. You have been called and anointed to change the world. And all the enemy has to do is come in and bring somebody that says, you're not qualified for that. And what happens? We go from hot to lukewarm really quickly. He doesn't care if we go to cold. In fact, the Lord said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Just don't be lukewarm. And in this hour, I believe that the Lord is calling his church to be hot or cold. And that saddens my heart, to be honest with you. Because I believe that in this hour, we're going to see people we've been friends with for many, many years walk away from the Lord. Just being honest. I believe there's people that have been playing the game. They've been doing the deal. They've been just going through the motions and they're going to walk away because it's going to get intense. But there's people who've been lukewarm who are going to catch fire again. And my prayer is this morning that if there's a spot in your life that is lukewarm, I don't know what it could be. It could be your devotional life. It could be your time spent with the Lord. It could be just your attitude. I don't know, but you're lukewarm with the Lord about it. This morning, he's calling you to get hot again. He's calling you to step into the fire with him and become warm and make sure that you're hot. And it saddens me so much that that some will go choose the other direction, but but that's her choice. So as they sing, I'm asking you today for you just to take a posture of reflection upon your life in anywhere that would be lukewarm and not on fire for Jesus. Would you just present it to him this morning? Maybe you need to come and lay some sin down at the altar. I don't know. But whatever is lukewarm in your life, he wants to light it on fire again. I saw a demonstration. This man had two lighters, and I didn't bring them this morning, but in one, he struck it and it didn't light. The other one, he struck and it lit right away. And then he held the button down on the second one that didn't light, and he took the lit one and just put it over there, and it lit the second, the second lighter. There was no spark there, but man, it was flowing through. 
Do you need a spark this morning? Do you need the flame of the Holy Spirit on your life in some area? Today's the day. So just create a place of worship. Create an altar right where you're at because where there's an altar and a sacrifice, he always sends fire. That we would be hot. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Cause all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Cause all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? Father, this morning we ask, since you're here and we're here, that we wouldn't miss it. Holy Spirit, I ask you to reveal to each one of us the places that we've become lukewarm. Maybe because someone has spoken and we've gotten discouraged about our gift. Maybe because sin has entered a portion of our life and we've surrendered that in this moment. Lord, I ask that you would help us take it back. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, dry bones awaken the lord is in this place the lord is in this place not for a minute was i forsaken the lord is in this place the lord is in this place come holy spirit dry bones awaken the lord is in this place the lord is in this place i'm not enough unless you come will you meet me here Cause all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Cause all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? Not for a minute was I for.
forsaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, dry bones awaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Father, today we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, which is our reasonable act of worship. And we will not be conformed to this world, but we will be transformed by the renewing of our mind to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Lord, take our sacrifice today. Purify us. Make us whole. For Lord, we want to be with you. Not to be around you, not to just hear your voice. We want to be with you. Awaken. Awaken that those parts of us that are dead, that are lukewarm. Ignite them with your fire. Lord, would you take the the dry bones of beliefs and things that have held us back from being all that you've created us to be? Would you just take those and consume them that we would realize that we are in a government? A government that will transform and overshadow the government of this world. Lord, we declare freedom over this region freedom in every house of worship freedom in every business freedom in every school we surrender to you today come have your way in our hearts come have your way in our homes come have your way in everything that we do stir up the gifts in this place Lord you have a divine plan for every person would you bring clarity to their lives and reveal your hand may we be drawn into your presence because we want to be consumed by you thank you Lord thank you Lord we worship you all you are. Will you meet me here again? I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Cause all I
the Lord is in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, dry bones awaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. There's a line that we just sang in the song that says, Not for a minute was I forsaken. I have this feeling that there's people in the room that have felt forsaken by other people that were going to walk with the Lord with them. Maybe that's not the right way to say it. Someone was going to walk with you, or maybe your expectation was that your spouse would walk with you in the Lord. I don't know what it is, but not for a moment were you forsaken. Not for a moment because he wants you. He wants you. We pray for those who don't desire to be with him. But we empower those who desire to be with him. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, we give you this week. Tomorrow we celebrate, whether it's the right date or not, we celebrate it, the freedom that is in this country. We don't take it for granted. We thank you that your hand was upon our founders. We thank you that your hand is upon our leaders in this moment. And Lord, we intercede on behalf of every leader in this country that they would know you, that they would know you, not just know about you, but Lord, that you would invade their bedrooms, that you would speak to them in dreams and visions, and that you would use them to foster freedom in this country, to protect it, to defend it. And Lord, for the leaders of the church in this hour, we pray a divine supernatural boldness to speak the truth, to not cave to the culture, but to speak the word of God in boldness Revival, come. Lord Jesus, come. Because we are not enough without you. As we leave this place, may angels go before, behind, and beside you. May the presence of God envelop you. May the things that, that you haven't surrendered, may they be drawn out this week. And Lord, I declare that there will be more face time on the floor in your presence this week than has ever been in the history of this house. That many will be drawn to you in the presence of the King this week. Holy Spirit, draw us. That we would know you and the power of your resurrection. In Jesus' name. We surrender to you. Amen. 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 If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.